0: Aviation Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode five of the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Moore, coming at you from warm but yet to be snowy, Wichita, Kansas. My co-host for tonight hails from New York City, Nick Pasquarella. How are you doing tonight, Nick? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I am uh, not too bad. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad so, you're warm because it is yeah. chilly here. Yeah, we had uh, two days of, you know, mid-60s, and I think that's going to be the end of that, because it's supposed to be 31 and snowy tomorrow, so... Nice. Yeah. But uh, tonight, we're joined by a special guest, a man that needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway, man that has a witty comeback for nearly any statement made, a man that nearly decapitated a couple of toes in the name of aviation photography... <laughs> All the way from the West Coast, Mr. 211 Aviation himself, Larry Griffiths. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Doing well. Hello to both of the Nicks. It's good to have you on. Yeah, welcome. Right.
2: Thank you, thank you. And just uh, let's, let's set some ground rules here. It's really hard to say Nick M. It doesn't roll off. So when I need Nick P, I'm going to say Nick P, and I'm going to say Nick. We clear? That works for me. It's fine with me. Right on.
1: So, how are you doing tonight, Larry?
2: Well, I won't bore you with the California weather because it's pretty much the same every day—sunny <laughs> and <No. to> seventy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is—it uh, was a good day, and uh, got a ton of yard work done, and watched a bunch of T sixes flying over cable today. So I kind of had my own air show. It's a good day.
1: Fantastic. Cool. So, well, it's great to have you on. Um, with that, let's just jump right in. I'll um, say, in contrast with our last guest. You didn't get started in aviation through the military how'd that all happen for you
2: well i guess from the beginning of of my aviation that would be my father who was a glider pilot and a tow plane pilot at boulder municipal airport boulder colorado and uh before the insurance company shut him down he uh enjoyed taking me and each of my brothers one at a time in the back seat of a piper super cub tow plane he would uh, run toes in exchange for getting free toes in his uh, glider. He shared, I think, one-fourth share on an old M100, which is a single-seat cross-country glider. And I fell in love with the Super Cub from the second the first glider let go, uh, released the toe, and my father put the plane in the most amazing slip. I had no idea what a slip was. I just had my face to the plexiglass screaming, Dad! But I couldn't get enough of it, and uh, I kept going on tow plane ride after tow plane ride and eventually started taking sailplane lessons and just about ready to solo when I uh, left Colorado for California to go to school and uh, seemed to stay patched into aviation uh, through radio control, model airplanes, that sort of stuff. And then uh, about four years ago, started flying... And that was coming off of about seven or eight years ago, switching from motorsports photography into aviation photography and eventually just started taking lessons. And, uh, although I'm a baby pilot, I'm, I'm happy and proud that I, that I hold my private pilot's license and want to keep that valid and ready to go for the rest of my life.
1: Very good. Um, I understand there's a, uh, there's a special uh, being in your life named lulu would you like <laughs> to uh share about uh who lulu is and what she means to you
2: yeah lulu um lulu is a 2008 i think 2008 cub crafters sport cub and uh it's a modern version of the super cub which you know first plane i got to fly in with my dad so uh, although I fly a few different planes, Lulu is by far my favorite and uh, I really enjoy taking people for rides. But I think probably because I got a lot of motorcycler inside of me, I really also enjoy just taking the plane and going and cruise around the uh, the foothills. It's a 100 horsepower continental and climbs about a thousand feet per minute with just me in it. And so it is a, a blast for flying around Southern California. <clears throat>
1: That's awesome. Is that, uh, is that what you trained in as well?
2: Uh, actually, I wanted to get my tailwheel from the get-go, so I started training in a 1952 Cessna 170B, Cessna tail dragger, all metal. Um, and then halfway through my training, I just needed to burn some long you know, cross-countries and do all that stuff, night landings. So I also... Had about half of my training hours in a standard nose-dragging 172 at a different airport with a different instructor. So I, I like to think I got uh, a good balance of instruction for both nose and tailwheel aircraft.
1: That's awesome. How long uh, how long did you go from when you started to uh, checkride? Uh,
2: I had 56 hours under my belt um, before I did the... Uh, check ride and mostly because my nose wheel pilot, uh, nose wheel instructor, the 172, he signed me off very early for solo in a restricted area. So uh, basically he gave me, he gave me four walls down near uh, Temecula to stay in with both Hemet and French Valley airports pretty much under me at all times. So I would typically do a lesson on Saturday and then go flying myself on Sunday. So it uh, turned out to be a good thing. Everyone was real happy that I had 56 hours before I took the test. Uh, I just liked flying, so I wasn't really keeping track of it. Uh, I just went through the tasks as fast as my wallet could allow me. And then, uh, you know, you get to that day and they say it's time to schedule the check ride. <clears throat>
1: that's the best thing that they say you know when you uh if you happen to fail your check ride the punishment is you get to fly more so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think the real
2: punishment is you have to pay 750 dollars again or something like that man it's expensive out there Mm. all cash too i don't want to you know figure out how that business works but anyway (laughs) (laughs) i'm happy to say i passed my check ride so it only cost me $750. Well, I shouldn't say only, of course. Learning to fly takes a lot more than that. But the check checkride itself was done in one. So I'm a pilot. Did,
0: did flying come uh, naturally to you? Like once you once you're at the controls, did it, did it just feel like a natural thing that you would do?
2: You know, uh, from a young age, when I was 16 years old and, and flying the glider, I, I, I can't say... I can't say that I really ever connected with it. I think I more just memorized what I had to do. Um, After that started spending a lot of time flying radio control power planes and gliders. And also uh, I have, I I don't even know, I could probably say 10,000 hours on a flight simulator. So when I finally at, I don't know, 38 years old, I think I would no I should have probably older than that, 48 years old, (laughs) uh, started taking flying lessons. Uh, I did connect, uh, especially with the rudders, the rudder pedals. Um, that came very natural to me, and I think my instructors were mostly happy with how I flew the airplane. Uh, my challenge, uh, like with many pilots, was the the, the communications and the radios. Um, it, was, it took a while to get that down and be comfortable, you know, flying cross country and managing sure. the radios. But I think flying the plane, I I do feel comfortable and did feel comfortable from the get-go as a student. And I I would say probably all of the radio control flying plus all of the flight simulator stuff gives you an idea of what the plane is doing. Although I would never tell you that a a desktop flight simulator is a good approximation of flying an airplane. But it does teach you to manage where you're going, what your speed is, navigation radios, and all that stuff. So it is a good training aid.
1: Yeah, it's great for, for systems management for sure. Definitely. I'm really excited to see what the new uh, the new flight sim that Microsoft's going to be putting out is all about. Do we know when that's coming out? Um, I thought they said in 2020, but I could be wrong. But <clears throat> yes, it, it I'm looks, excited. I mean, I, I assume it probably takes a $5,000 computer to run it, but man, it looks beautiful.
2: Well, hopefully, uh, with the you know multi-core processors and stuff like that. Hopefully this program will be written to take much better advantage of that. I think one of the the sort of handicaps of the old Flight Simulator FSX system was uh, it just really was built on architecture that was built on processors that were just way behind where we are now. So you look at modern 3D graphics games and then you look at you know what's left of Flight Simulator, prepared, whatever. Um, You just like, why can't we have the graphics that we have in 3D, you know, first-person shooter games in flight simulators? And it looks like that's the direction we're going, so.
1: Yeah. Cool. So we talked about Lulu and and some of your your early training. Do you have any other uh, logbook entries that uh, might be worth talking about?
2: Yeah, I've been fortunate uh, to fly several planes for as, as young of a baby pilot as I am. Uh, I fly the Varga Kachinas, which are the two-seat trainers, low-wing, fixed gear, fixed prop. It's basically a fast Cessna 172, but you sit tandem under a glass, you know, greenhouse uh, cockpit, stick in the middle, throttle on the wall, which is the exact setup for most Cubs and and Lulu uh, as well. Uh, I've also had the opportunity to train in a Boeing Stearman, and it's an old one, like 1947. Boeing Stearman, and uh, I've had an opportunity to fly also the uh, Cub Crafters Carbon Cub. That's the 180 horsepower version of the of the lightweight Cub, and it is uh, an absolute rocket ship. They're extremely expensive, but I can understand why people buy them, and a, a few other things along the way. But I would say probably the the things i am most proud of are the uh, the Carbon Cub and a uh, little bit of time in the Boeing Stearman, and then, you know, being involved with aviation and aviation photography, I've had my, my fair share of backseat rides, which, of course, I can't log the time, but uh, Mustang P-51D and backseat ride with uh, Team Aeroshell and a couple times with a couple local T-6s that are here in Southern California, and there's probably some other stuff uh, along the way. Uh, yeah, I do remember uh, my first time at Oshkosh. I had the opportunity to fly into Oshkosh from Appleton local airport in the uh, brand new Kodiak 100 on Aeroset Amphibs with uh, Mark Brown from Kodiak. And um, it was pretty neat. We went to Appleton. He flew us over to uh, Winnebago, Lake Winnebago. We did a few bounces on the water there, and then we flew in and arrived uh, at Oshkosh. Oshkosh was already uh, going on. This was on, I think, a Thursday But it was pretty neat to arrive and just see the thousands of photographers taking our picture in this giant amphib that landed on the the pink dot, you know?
1: One day. That's all I have to say. One day. (laughs) Yeah. So Uh, I feel very fortunate the
2: opportunities that aviation and aviation photography has uh, afforded me, and I'm blessed uh, to all of them. And, you know, it's just if you stay in this world and stay close to this world, this stuff just it shows up eventually.
1: Well, I'd like to hear a little bit more about, uh, about your Lady Alice P-51 ride.
2: <clears throat> yeah, that was, a, that was a very unique experience um, through a very close friend of mine who is related to the owners of that plane. And, uh, you know, they were very familiar with the photography I'd been doing. I'd, I'd taken, you know, hundreds of pictures of Lady Alice, And um, was invited to go for a ride. And it it took a little scheduling. I was worried it wasn't going to happen. And then one magical morning, the phone call came, and we worked it all out. And we flew out of Chino, where uh, Lady Alice is based. And, you know, the whole time, just butterflies in my stomach the entire time. And I could not believe that it was actually happening. And um, Doc Wagner wags. The owner-pilot is an incredible person to have sitting in front of you uh, for a Mustang ride. He knows the plane very well, and he talks to you, explains what's going on. Uh, the plane itself is incredible, uh, makes you want to own one, but you also have to understand that you know the tens of thousands of dollars he puts into that plane annually uh, to keep it flying. But anyway, we we took off and headed south along the coast, really low level, I'd say probably maybe 500 feet off the ocean, just ripping down the coast. And he's, you know, these are my surfer buddies and these guys look for me every weekend and this kind of thing. And, um, I was thinking this ride's getting, getting long, you know, we're, we're 20, 30 minutes into it. And Wag says, you want to go to big bear? (laughs) I'm like, no, take, take me home. I've, I've had enough of this. Of course I want to go to big bear. So, you know, from the coast, it's, uh, due east. And Points the plane that way, and we got to climb because we got to get over the Ortega Mountains. And we're up pretty high. He's like, do you want to do a roll? Of course I want to do a roll. So we did a roll. He's like, you want to fly upside down? Of course I want to fly upside down. So we flew upside down. <laughs> <You know. clears throat> and uh, there's no rear controls in Lady Alice. There's a, uh, there's a grab bar, which I was like, we don't need no safety bar, right? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> more on that. We get to uh, Big Bear and my flight school, which trains uh, formation flying in three identical Varga Kachinas. They were up at uh, the cafe at Big Bear Airport having breakfast. So uh, Wag said, let's let's just go say hi. And I had my cell phone and I had a GoPro handheld with me and I was like, oh my gosh, and he's lining up to do a high speed pass right down the runway. He's coming in at, you know, a a decent descent. I can see the runway and I've got my phone and my GoPro up. And when he flattens out the G force, which I was not expecting, put the phone and the GoPro straight down onto my knees. So I didn't get any of it, but (laughs) we ripped, (laughs) we ripped past the cafe. I saw my friends and then he pulled up and we just climbed like I've, I've never climbed before. And it turns out he was going to show me the beginning of a Mustang stall. And uh, the stall spin in a Mustang is is a deadly event. You don't you don't really want to do it. And if you do it, you want to do it from 10,000 feet AGL. So we climbed up. I think we were around 11,000 feet. And he's like, "I'd like to show you what a stall feels like." I'm like, "All right." You know, I'm fully confident in his ability at this point. He starts slowing the plane down. I remember. We were like 110 knots uh he was like do you start to feel it and i didn't really feel anything yet but he got it got it a little slower than that and the plane did start to shake and he's like hang on hang on and then all at once the left wing dropped and it dropped hard and my hands reached out for that grab bar like a child i was like Wah! but he did not let it spin he just lets it break and he recovered and we're pointing straight at the ground and then he pulls up and he's like that's what it feels like when the plane starts to go into a spin. But we don't want to spin a Mustang because it will take 7, 8, sometimes 9,000 feet to recover. I'm like, okay, let's not spin. And uh, it was a great experience. I'm very thankful for the opportunity. We flew back to Chino and uh, did the overhead brake, which was another set of Gs I was not ready for. Uh, and he did a per- perfect <laughs> landing. So once in a lifetime experience it really was. I mean, unless you want to go and pay somebody, what, I don't know, $1,500 an hour for the backseat of a Mustang? I don't know what the uh, go right. is. I think
1: it's like $1,500 for like a 20-minute ride. It yeah, was the last Ouch. one that was around here. Yeah, It's pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. That's, wow. Uh, out of my wheelhouse for right now. One of these yeah. days, maybe. Yeah, for sure.
0: That was an incredible story, though. I feel like I was there with you, blasting down the coast. That was fantastic.
2: Yeah. I will never forget it. I I do have it. You know, it is one of the things I've left on my story permanently because I just, I look at it. I want to see that again. It was an incredible day. And again, feel very, very blessed and very grateful, thankful for the folks that put me in the back seat. And it's a team effort. When you do that, there's a whole bunch of folks that go out to the plane and help get it prepped and ready and, you know, taxi. And I mean, he's got his own built in ground crew. So you really feel like a celebrity when it's your, when it's your day. Yeah, that's
1: cool. Yeah, that's awesome. How about uh how about the Aeroshell ride that you got at Oshkosh? Yeah.
2: Yeah, again, uh I couldn't couldn't believe it, but I received uh received an email from one of their sponsors and asked if I'd be willing to uh exchange some photography for a backseat ride in the aeroshell team. And again I said no, I'm busy. I, I can't fit it in my schedule. of course I'll do that. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: so they asked if I would be at Sun and Fun or Oshkosh, and I said both. And they said, what, where do you want to do it? And I was about to leave for Sun and Fun at the time, and I, I, I risked it all, and I said, you know what, I want to do Oshkosh. And he's like, all right, I'll put you down. And right in that moment, I realized, yeah, I should have just, you know, bird in the hand, it was right there. Uh, I spent the next several months worrying that something was going to happen or something would be canceled or something wouldn't work out, but... Sure enough, Thursday morning, Oshkosh, it was on, and uh, it's an incredible experience. I went out there with, you know, GoPros and handheld cameras, as well as my DSLR, and uh, I flew in the lead plane with Mark Henley, and he rolled his eyes when he saw all this garbage I was bringing on my flight with me, (laughs) he's... He's trying to hot-load us, basically. They do two rounds of media rides every morning, so you don't have a lot of time to dilly-dally. So I'm climbing in the back, and he's like, whatever you do, don't drop something on the thunk. And there's this loud thud. And I look at, <laughs> <laughs> I look at Mark, and he just rolls his eyes. He's like, well, we got to let that go till all the rides are done. We'll have to climb down there. Because in the T6, if you miss the floorboards, it goes all the way to the bottom of the fuselage. So. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> pretty exciting so anyway we got past that we we went out taxied out you know these guys are absolute professionals he's doing systems checks the whole time they're taxiing out there by the time they do their run-up there's not much left to do gets a clearance and, and we were we were out of Oshkosh and out over Lake Winnebago it seemed like we were out there for forever and then you know all at the same time it seemed like that's it I can't I can't believe it's over this fast but we did a uh, couple barrel rolls, a couple loops, uh, some formation work, um, and and just had an incredible flight. I tried to record as much of it as I could, take pictures where I could, um, trying to trying to work the air to air angle. And then um, back back at the back at the airport when we we're unloading, I realized it nothing had fallen. The only thing that had fallen was the seatbelt buckle had fallen off my lap and hit. A tank that's uh, along your side in the back of the T6, or top of a metal case or something, made a huge thud. So, end of the day, there was no camera to retrieve. Everything was good. It was an amazing flight, and uh, the professionalism—it—it's it, just next level. Before we knew it, we—we we all had signed posters, and we were walking away as the the next group of uh, VIP media, whatever rides were lining up and getting loaded. Uh, grateful for that experience and I took as many pictures as I could for the sponsor. I sent them everything, hoping that one day again, they'll say, Hey, do you want to do it again? But as of right now, I will consider that another once in a lifetime experience.
1: That's awesome. Did they go up with the, was it the four ship or did they have the, I remember how that works.
2: Ah, gosh, I'll have to look. I think, um, there was, I think there were four aero shells and then uh the oh the white the white T six whose is that? Uh, uh Gene McNeely. Gene McNeely's yes. But they that, that plane I think had the Bose rep in it and they went and they did their own thing while we did a four ship formation aerobatics, I believe. I'll have to look at the pictures. I was uh, in a different world, I don't really remember.
0: I can imagine.
2: <laughs>
1: You you kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, is it safe to say that you got your start in photography well before you got into aviation?
2: Yeah, I, I bought my first uh, DSLR, ooh, uh, maybe, gosh, I have to think, 2004, 2005, perhaps, and uh, was doing a lot of photography for... Motorcycle racing, which is uh, another passion of mine. I don't, I don't race motorcycles, but I've ridden race motorcycles most of my life, at least since I've been allowed to drive. Uh, and I, I, I managed to work out a photo exchange with two professional stunt riders, and these guys do things on sport bikes that are just crazy. Stand up wheelies, you know, sit on the tank, do a wheelie, sit on the handlebars, do a wheelie, burnouts, just, you know, your basic hooligan stunt riders, and they had a real good setup with the AMA uh, for doing halftime performances or between race performances on their stunt bikes on the track, and what that ended up getting me was access to take, of course, pictures of them, but when they weren't performing, I had all the media credentials I needed to go sit in the corners with the professional motorsports photographers and get some really good racing shots, and uh, I did that for years and years and years, probably up until about uh, 2010 or 2011, and then started taking pictures of airplanes just as uh, motorcycling. Those guys had gone different directions. I had gone a different direction, and my interests were changing. I still have a couple motorcycles. I still love motorcycle racing, but aviation has by far taken over my life and my photography, clearly.
1: So on that same topic, your uh, your Instagram handle is two eleven aviation, and uh, I'll admit I spent the first couple years of our friendship thinking that that was some area code um, (laughs) that was you know maybe part of where you were from or you know had no idea. Um, As it turns out, I understand that's not the case. Care to share?
2: Yeah. um, So uh, in 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 the heart of my motorcycle passion. I was a single man. I was a sales manager. I, my bills were paid and my friends were all getting married, having kids and, and buying, you know, $50,000 Suburbans four wheel drive with leather, you know, for the family. I got married late, uh, later in life. Uh, I think it was about 42 when I got married so much earlier than that. I watched a lot of my friends go off buy these big SUVs. And I had this passion for Italian machines, you know, Ferrari, Lamborghini. And I convinced myself it would be a good idea to buy a hand-built Italian racing motorcycle. So I bought uh, one of only 300 ever produced, the MV Agusta Tamburini F4 1000. It's a very rare motorcycle. It's beautiful, it's exotic, it's fast, and it's super expensive. I think uh, at the time it was... I think it was about 40, $42,000 motorcycle when I bought it. And it was number, it was number 211 out of 300. So on all of the motorcycle forums, I had become, uh, just use that as my handle 211. Uh, and then ultimately when I started getting into aviation photography and I was looking for an outlet and I had found Instagram, I was just like, I don't, I don't really want to be Larry on this. I'm, I've never really tried to. I, I'm no Ansel Adams, right? My whole thing was I want to share aviation with people, and it's I've really tried to to make my channel not about me but about aviation. So I just went with 211 Aviation, not really knowing what I was doing at the time, and now I'm real happy with it. You know, I mean, if you look if you look deep enough, you can see that it's Larry G. And if you do enough you know, homework, you can find my name. But I really wanted that channel to be about aviation. And it just seemed like a natural fit to just go with 211 aviation. I know not a lot of people get it. But that's cool. It's just my way of saying this, this channel is just about everything about aviation. um, And it's not really about the photographer. I've tried to not make it about me.
0: But you're the artiste behind this. Without you, these images don't exist. Well, I
2: appreciate that, Nick P. And, um, you know, I, I look at, you know, the other folks that are, are in our peer group. And I every time I open one of these photos, I'm, I'm just, I stare in awe. It's, uh, there's some very talented folks out there. And, you know, I'll admit I've, I've managed to pull off a picture or two along the way. <laughs> but, you uh, you know, probably like everyone else, I have tens of thousands that just will never be anywhere, but occupying a few megabytes on a hard drive. So, um, yeah, of course, <laughs> we got to get out and do the work. And um, you know, the blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. I think is is my technique.
1: <laughs> I think I I think it's probably safe to say we all kind of share that technique. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't know. I gotta I gotta tell you. I gotta I gotta uh, see if I can make Nick P's uh, ego a little bigger. Um, nick p is he's an artist he really is an artist nick Moore, way more of an artist than i am i just i'm sports illustrated i take pictures you guys have got thought emotion and feeling in your pictures and i don't think i ever will so my hat's off to you too <laughs>
1: yeah i think you're selling yourself a little bit short there yeah
0: i don't believe that for a second there's the your pictures are oozing with that passion
2: it's a sports illustrated style, that's what I describe it as <laughs> yeah, it's the
0: swimsuit edition. It's the sexy if you pull up your your Instagram, I was doing it earlier to like review, and I'm like, where do I even start? It's just ah. home run after home run after home do you have like a i know that you know the styles and genres you know range widely, but is there a particular genre that really resonates with you strongly, be it like military jets or stunt planes or Something like yeah.
2: That. So I I love I love looking at uh photos of military jets um well done uh air to air for the military jets um I like the canyon photography but I would I would still say my 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 passion is the propeller driven radial warbirds and V12 warbirds um I like the challenge of of shooting them slow shutter uh, I like the sound of them. I like to watch them. I like to fly in them. I would say probably by far Warbirds would be my number one category and I got to trick myself every day to not post Warbird after Warbird after Warbird <laughs> and uh, You know, it's there's the, just the, the, the history the, the people that fly them that maintain them that you know it, These things are old and they are meticulously maintained so that they don't fall out of the sky at, with any more frequency than Cessna 172s fall out of the sky. And I think that in itself is amazing. And uh, to, see, to see the brute technology that was used in some of these things. They are flying tanks, uh, and <laughs> they go fast, uh, and they make a lot of noise, and you know they leak oil so you know that there's oil in them, that kind of thing. Uh, that is just definitely my favorite part of the aviation genres
1: would be warbirds. I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of argument here.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know a couple of Warbird guys over there too.
1: That's uh, that's one of the things with the Warbirds too that I think gets lost is, I mean, those things were, they were built, you know, especially the World War II, for example. Those were those were built with a shelf life. Yeah, you no, know, they they weren't when when they were built, they weren't supposed to be in the air in 2019.
2: Yeah, they didn't think the war was going to go that long
1: yeah and you know i mean they were they were supposed to be beer cans after you know after a certain period of time, and you know here we are you know thanks to the you know the generosity and grace and and um you know ability of of others to keep these things flying and i mean to me that's that's just absolutely amazing well, it's all donations, it's all the generosity of the community
0: because there's no government support to keep these planes flying it's you right know, individuals.
2: Yeah, when you look at a museum that takes donations and charges admission, and then has a few flying warbirds, you know that's a place I have no problem uh, spending money. Yeah. There are there are individuals out there that are well funded uh, that make it work with a couple sponsors and a lot of their own money. Um, but you look at something like the Plains of Fame Museum in Chino, hmm. uh, that. I don't know. Maybe there's other organizations in the world like it, but it is definitely the cream of the crop when it comes to that with, you know, a, a quiver of aircraft that I think many museums would die to have sitting in their, you know, showrooms collecting dust. And, and Planes of Fame is out there flying them regularly for movies, for air shows, local air shows. You know, they they fly the western states and, and do air shows in adjacent states. It's a incredible organization and... You know, like I said, I've have, I have no hesitation spending money with planes of fame because they keep providing content for my feed.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, it's incredible content. I really want to get out there one year. Yes, come on out, Nick. Uh
2: Nick Moore made the trip. I did. Nick, was it was it worth your uh, admission?
1: Uh it absolutely was. I was greeted at the airport by an Uber driver named Larry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> He picked me up and uh, and was gracious enough to uh, receive my um, my rental camera that was uh, delivered out there to save a couple days worth of um, worth of rental oh, and we headed headed straight there to the airport and and got in because Larry was Larry and got us in and um, it was absolutely amazing and I definitely look forward to going back one of these days. What is the price of admission if you don't mind me asking? I don't know. I
0: haven't paid in a while to be honest. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs>
1: I want to say I paid 20 bucks a day or something like that.
0: I get <sighs> 20 bucks. How much it would was... you pay to see your favorite band play like 120 to get yeah. like in the back of the ground floor like okay. to see this stuff. I feel like this that's this priceless stuff fly around. I feel like we're getting bargain prices to get in the door. Just my opinion. Don't tell that to anybody hosting shows, but for real. You know, paying <laughs> paying ten dollars to get in or twenty bucks, it's like all right, yeah. cool. Yeah, do you want more? Well, don't say because the the chicken finger guy's gonna charge you fifteen bucks for a Gatorade and two chicken fingers.
1: But they're good that chicken is fingers, true. right? yeah, kind of salty, like really salty. Basically just salt. Yeah. So the, uh, the chicken fingers of the Chino air show was uh, fried cheese on a stick. <laughs> yeah. There is and, more uh, than
2: one picture floating around the internet of Nick Moore with his uh, cheese on a stick.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, it was exquisite. I went back every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, for, for those listening who have not been
2: to the Plains of Fame air show in May every year, Nick P., um, mm. In addition to having absolute priceless jewels of aircraft flying, they fly them low, fast, and close to the crowd. It mm. is, uh, and if you miss a pass, you get like 10 more shots at the pass. So uh, it's a really a photographer's dream, uh, aviation nuts dream, and there's, you know, tons and tons of families out there. Uh, it is Chino. There's not a lot of back, background. The background is farmland, but uh, the what's in the air more than makes up for it. So, uh, Nick P., come and see us May
0: next year.
1: I got to figure that out. It's well worth the trip.
0: So I've heard. Zulu was telling me all about it. Yeah. I saw him there.
2: And, you know, hopefully by then we'll have the low-level restriction removed from Star Wars Canyon, and we'll make it a combined trip.
0: That is
1: one place i
0: desperately want to go back to
1: yeah larry if you could actually put in a word to the weather people um get the uh, the low level fog to not roll in first thing in the morning
2: yeah that is the
1: great irony
2: of the chino air show like like any good air show there's there's a premium to be paid for sunrise uh photo sessions and um, i did it one year and was burned by what we call out here the may gray which mm-hmm. is the sort of marine layer morning fog. It doesn't make for good sunrise photography. I mean, there are some extremely talented photographers who who make the most of it, but it is not typically what it's billed to be. There have been a few epic mornings along the way, but uh, I've never gone since, I don't know, eight years ago I paid my, how much was it, $70 or something? Uh, I think it's 90 <laughs> Well, it was 70 when I did it. Um, and it's just, you never know. You could wake up and it could be blue skies. You could wake up and the whole thing could be you know, soup, and the problem is you've got to pay long before you know what the weather is, and so yep. I've just avoided doing it. I will tell you the the secret at that show is actually to wait till the other end of the day. There's yes. plenty of great light uh, at sunset. There are people leaving to go on photo flights and take friends flying in their warbirds, and never leave Chino till they kick you out. That'd be my advice.
1: Yeah, that's that was probably my not probably. That was my favorite part of the show was after the show got over with Larry, myself, and I don't know, six or seven others that have since become good friends. Um, we, we were able to wander around the ramp. There was nobody there. I mean, really all you got to deal with is, you know, a little bit of rope and, and some cones that, you know, pretty easy to, to take out with Photoshop and the ramp is yours. There's no people there. Everybody else has gone home. And then there's a, there's a bleacher set up and we went and just sat in the bleachers and waited for something to happen. And everybody was sharing shots from the day and, and, um, you know, when a tug would drive by everybody would see who could pan the tug, the slowest <laughs> and golf carts and people walking by and, and, uh, but just, you know, if nothing else, the camaraderie of sitting around, you know, on a, you know, as the sun sets, you know, waiting for, for these warbirds to take off. And, um, that was That was probably my favorite part of the whole trip was the the Saturday evening that we all just sat there and just enjoyed what was happening. Everybody else that doesn't understand had already gone home.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Or those with kids.
0: Yeah. Uh, I
2: I would agree with you, Nick. And uh, the other thing that comes with this game is, you know, when you go somewhere and you share a house, and I've had the opportunity to... Share a house with the full-disc aviation crew a couple times, and uh, it's uh, it's gold. You know, it, it, What do you want to do when you get back after being in an air show all day? Not go to sleep. It's flip open the laptops, download cards, and sit around and show each other your, their favorite shots of the day. I mean, that stuff, I just can't put a price on it. It's priceless. Staying late at an air show with you guys, watching sunset departures, or sitting around the table at a rental house in Oshkosh, until way later than we. I mean, we stayed up till two in the morning what every we day. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but that's what it's all about. I mean, that stuff. That's what an air show is all about for me. It's it's the friends. It's the excitement. It's the adventure. It's a shared adventure. We also hit that gas station every night on the way home. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what that was, but that was a lifesaver.
1: That was a quick trip, but spelt differently than the quick trips that we have here in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> quick trip. And they also quit selling beer in Wisconsin at like something crazy thing like ten o'clock at night or something like that. <laughs> but uh Yeah. You know, we talked so a we good learned. game.
2: I I don't think any of us drank a lot of any beer. it's just more of talking your game. This you are physically exhausted, you're mentally exhausted, it doesn't take more than a beer or two. And yeah, you know, next thing you know it's where's two the in bottled morning. water? Exactly. Where's the bottled water and the chocolate milk? That's all you need.
1: Yeah. But kind of speaking of the, you know, camaraderie and friendships and whatnot, um, I'm going to kind of change gears uh, back over to Instagram for a little bit. I, I absolutely love this platform for no other reason. It's allowed me to meet so many great aviation friends. You know, you guys... Like many others, and it's also helped me to get some really special opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, that being said, the probably the first year I I was active active posting, um, I couldn't seem to get my audience up past five hundred, and I I remember looking at at your two eleven account, you know, and and seeing what you were doing, and you know, and if I remember right, you know, you had. 5000 followers or 8000 I don't remember what it was but you know I was just looking at it and you know very envious of how that happened um and to tell the listeners what a stand-up guy Larry is we were chatting about it on Instagram a couple of years ago and he just volunteered his secret to his Instagram su- su- Instagram success and uh if I remember correctly you're just paying a lot of money to promote your posts is that is that right Yes,
2: I've invested over $15,000 in uh, Instagram-promoted posts, and thank you, everybody, for buying my T-shirts and hats. No, that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually, you know, uh, the great Dion Mitten, who's a fellow aviation photographer and Instagram uh, guru, you know, he, he, he and I have many, many nights of long conversations about how to beat the law, the algorithm, that decides what gets shown and you know when to post and what to post and what hashtags to use and we have diced it up a thousand different ways we've done spreadsheets and uh, the answer is ABC always be uh, posting ABP always be posting the really I've actually tracked it I'm kind of a nerd with a Google spreadsheet you know uh, followers over time um, at air shows with hashtags without hashtags And when you look at it, it is a diagonal line that goes up and to the right with very little variation. So, you know, if there are folks out there who would like to boost their followers, I would avoid paying anybody to get you fake followers. And I would suggest always be posting. My goal is three posts a day. I don't hit it every day, but I like to try and hit the morning, the noon, and the afternoon. Uh, Three a day. Uh, I've been a little off pace lately, but if you just do that every day, you will build your audience over time. And uh, I've noticed maybe when I'm in an air show, there's a slight pickup in additional followers, but it's it's negligible over time. There's just there's no I, I shouldn't say there is no I've yet to find a silver bullet other than doing work.
1: And I can say that uh, I, I took that took that to heart and, and, you know, my audience grew exponentially at a very quick pace by, you know, just like what Larry said, and you know, not the ABC method, but the ABP method of always be posting. So at any rate, you know, I, there's a lot of people that when they get something figured out, want to keep it for themselves, don't want to help others out. And that's not who Larry is. And, you know, I just want to, nothing else say thanks for, you know, for sharing your secret because, uh, it's definitely helped.
2: Well, I appreciate that. And, and you know, I wish this thing was less of a contest. You know, they're, they're talking about hiding likes. I think they should hide followers, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you should really go and look at what you want to look at. Follow the people you want to follow. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes there are people who follow me and want me to follow them back. And I can't always because I I really like to engage with the people that I follow. And, you know, if I look at their feed and this is just me, if it's, you know, their feed is full of cooking and, and appliances and, you know, yard work, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) This appliance (laughs) account, you got to
0: tell me about this appliance account. I'm really into that.
2: 211 appliances check it out
0: (laughs) well i want want to i want to get i'm sorry go ahead where you
2: no i was just gonna say that you know i as much as little time as i have in the day to actually tend to you know going to the people that i follow and engaging with them uh i want what pops up on my feed to be pictures of airplanes so if you send me a you know uh if i if I follow somebody, it's probably because I either know them personally or they fill their feed with airplanes. And that's probably how I met most of you folks because you guys fill your feeds with airplanes and, you know, I'm into that. So, anyway, go ahead, Nick P.
0: Well, no, I I appreciate that. But I also wanted to give you some depth for, like, when I was early on interested in this kind of thing and – uh Just asking the very simple question of, what's your shutter speed? And a lot of people were like, you know, just like it and move on and don't say anything. You were one of the people that would respond with exactly what it was and why it was that way. And I was very appreciative of that, especially early on when I was still, you know, getting my footing as far as shooting things that fly around. Because previously it was just landscapes and they typically don't move.
2: Right. You can you can go with uh, slightly faster shutter speeds in those situations. Well, I I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I again I I do not profess to be a photographer. I just want to be someone who shares aviation. So when somebody says, you know, how do you get that, you know, full disc? I'm like, well, you got to slow the shutter down. And then they're like, but then the plane is blurry. And then I say, you're doing it right. You just got. <laughs> You just got to try it over and over and over and over again. And, you know, if there's anybody out there who thinks that I point my camera at a plane and take one picture, let me shatter that miss. I I take thousands and thousands of pictures. My delete button has no paint on it. I've hit it so many times. (laughs) What
0: is what is the gear you use to shoot these thousands and thousands of pictures?
2: You know, um, I'm. I don't really have anything super modern. I think my go-to rig right now is a is a Canon 80D, uh, and my old faithful lens is a uh, Canon 100 to 400 telephoto. Uh, it's actually the version one. There's nothing fancy okay. about it, but it takes yeah. incredibly crisp pictures. Um, now that's I, I call that beyond the rope line. If you're if you're shooting from you know some sort of positional advantage. 400 millimeters on a crop sensor for me is all I need. I do have the Sigma 150 to 600 lens. Uh, when I use it, I tend to lock it to 500 millimeters because I find the the last bit is you know theoretical. I'd rather take a, a clear picture and, and zoom in on it. But um, I also try and take as little gear to an air show as possible. That seems contrary to to some folks that bring the you know the the red uh, wagon full of, of gear. Um, I just need to be, I need to be mobile. Uh, so everything's got to fit in one backpack and I really try and just sling a long lens and carry a backpack with maybe a full frame. So I have a Canon 5d, the original 5d Mark one. It's, it's nothing fancy, but it is a, it's a full frame Canon and you match that up with a 24 to 105, um, L series Canon lens. And you have an, a pretty amazing, you know, walk around anything that's not flying, type of camera, and and with those two setups, I can I feel comfortable. I can go to a show and, and get the content that I'm looking for. I always pack a couple GoPros, because you'd be surprised if you ask uh, an aerobatic performer if they'd fly your GoPro, they might just say yes. Uh, if you've got a GoPro locked and ready to go, you're set up to get to make that happen. So a couple GoPros, couple bodies, couple lenses. Keep it all to a small backpack and a long lens slung over my shoulder. And keep moving. Don't don't stand in one place for very long. That's my theory anyway. That's nice. actually like what's that. got
1: me uh, really, really intrigued about the new Sigma 60-600. to I've got one rented for, for next week at Nellis for no other reason than um, I hear it's very sharp. But I want to be able to take one lens that's going to do Roughly everything I want it to do, and awesome. uh, really curious to try that thing out.
0: Was that the lens that failed with our buddy recently?
1: Ah, uh, it is. Oh. Ah. yep. Are you bringing a backup? I will have a backup in the car just in <laughs> case. <laughs> well, the-
2: young
1: young Daniel went to the uh, the CAF show in uh, in Dallas. That'd be uh, Daniel Aviator on Instagram, and uh, rented the sixty to six hundred and the autofocus went out on him i think after two hours of being there but the good people at lens rentals uh, uh took good care of him and refunded him and even took care of his other rental but so shout out to them for doing the right thing but at any rate yeah so I hopefully yeah, whatever i'm renting will uh, have a fare a little bit better than what what he did
2: <laughs> yeah i'm interested to see what that lens uh can do my last air show was the central coast air fest I didn't make it to French Valley yesterday, fail, failure to launch. But I took one lens, and that was uh, one of Canon's older lenses. It's a 28mm to 300. Now, I had, I had really good access. I was, I was in the field, under the airplane, so reach was not an issue. I brought some other equipment with me, but was able to shoot the entire air show with a 28 to 300. Pretty impressed with it. It's so another old lens, Gen 1 Canon lens, very capable. Uh, I have a 500mm Prime rented for um, Nellis for Aviation Nation. I'm excited to shoot with that. I've shot with Canon 600 Prime before, which is an absolute beast, but really too big for an air show. Uh, And also Canon's 90D, their newer version of the 80D. uh, I have that rented as well. Really impressed with it so far. I, I had it at Central Coast with me the focusing logic just seems light years ahead of what I'm dealing with on the 80 D came home from that air show, told my wife we're buying a new camera. So I, I don't have it yet, but I, I am thinking about getting the 90 D
0: that's, is that the brand new one that, that might also replace the seven D Mark two?
2: I don't know enough to know. I know um, Mark finger was shooting with it and he, said some really nice things about its focusing capabilities uh we traded a couple messages back and forth and he's like it is on par with the 1dx mark ii that he normally shoots with so uh good for canon for bringing some of that real high-end focus logic and technology down into the prosumer range because i think a a brand new 90d is about 1200 approximately about that
0: yeah
2: so that's i mean it's a lot of money but It's not five grand, so it's it's manageable.
0: Yeah, that would take you the next, the final 5% to the very top. But he was also saying that the autofocus worked a little better when he was using a uh, red dot sight mounted at the top of his camera. Um, (laughs) He shoots like that a lot
2: yeah but, but the camera still has to focus you know that's at, at right. the end of the day uh i'm very happy with its performance uh, the first rental so we'll, we've got it on rent for aviation nation and we'll see how it does uh but i i think i will retire my 80 d to sort of a backup position because i was very very impressed with the 90.
0: cool man i'm excited to hear more about that because i'm i'm very interested in that as well Oh, are you shooting on the Canon platform, Nick P? I am. I have a 7D Mark II and uh, recently got the 5D Mark IV for all my full-frame duties. Yeah, that's a pretty amazing video camera, too, isn't it? I have not messed around with it. I'm a little, uh, a little scared, too. I'm just going to kind of stick to stills for now because I got way too much on my plate anyway, so I'm just going <laughs> to... Let that sit on the back burner (laughs) until I can devote some brain space to learning how to get the most out of that. But I hear good things about that platform. But also the 90D, I heard, is not bad with the video.
2: Yeah, I'm not good with video through it. I'm not good with video anywhere, and it takes a lot more time to edit video than it does to edit pictures. But um, I have messed around with it on the 80D, and I think it's – for me, I would need a gimbal and tripod setup probably – most people, I'm just not steady enough with it. So, like you, I'm gonna stick to stick to stills for now.
1: Yeah, I'll take cell phone video, but yes, the cameras, me too. I the, exactly. <laughs> the thing I struggle the most with the most with uh, shooting video with aircraft is just the autofocus. It yep. just yes. Doesn't um, if you're on the Sony platform, it seems to do a very nice job of following focus. But at least at least on my Nikon stuff. Um, You know, if I'm holding the autofocus down, I mean, it's just it's zooming or it's just focusing in and out and in and out. And it'll grab it for a minute and then it'll lose it again. And that's just kind of it's probably operator error on my end. But that's the one thing I really haven't been able to track down shooting video. You just got to tell the pilot to slow down. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't snap so hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to be a while before there is a uh, full disk aviation video site is that what i understand
1: hey man you never know <laughs> oh, yeah I, w- I wouldn't say that we might have something cooking up yeah you it never took know. us two years to figure out a podcast so you know youtube channel 2022 <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wait well,
2: you know i the last two years i've had the opportunity to um work around the film crew that's been putting together the shorts for uh central coast Airfest, and that's henry Beale. he's on instagram too henry dot B-E-H-E-L. It's pronounced Beale. Uh, the stuff that those guys bring, the Red Dragon cameras, the 1,000-millimeter uh, Canon lenses, that that 1,000-millimeter uh, digital lens they brought for one of their cameras was uh, like a $60,000 lens. Now, they, they rent <laughs> all of this stuff, but they show up in pickup trucks with hard cases and cables, and it's just like, Ah, and then, you know, six months of editing, but what he produces is is very fantastic and uh, very well done and a great promotional tool for uh, the air show. but it it's sort of a sort of satisfying to be standing there with one body and one lens and a neck strap, right? And they've got pickup mm-hmm. trucks full of hard cases like just. <laughs> Just making sure I got it all returned would be a headache I can't endure.
0: I'm with you there. I, I employ the same method. I'm very mobile. I like to move around, and that means little to, you know, one rig to maybe two rigs, but, you know, very minimal. Spartan.
2: Yes, I like it. I think, uh, you know, there's been plenty of air shows where I've st- stood there and just talked to friends the entire time, but when I'm – working either for somebody else or for myself i really try and you know start at one end and work my way down to the other depending on what light is doing and just less is more uh there's arguments to be made for having everything in your in your toolkit and i have it it's probably in the bags that i brought to the hotel but when i go to the field that's my thinking too nick i want to i want to be able to move i don't want to worry about where's the other bag and all this stuff and uh I look at these video crews. It's just like, wow. I mean, I would need to put those little GPS locators on everything because I, I don't do well keeping track <laughs> of stuff anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I've got one heavy backpack, and uh, it's got typically got all my stuff in it. And it uh, seems like by the end of a, of a two-day show, I'm I'm looking for the Tylenol, but I. <laughs> I can carry everything in it that i need and i always try to you know at the hotel or wherever i'm at i try to at least get everything you know minimized as much as possible but nevertheless it's still heavy that's the nice part about actually getting to a location where you can stop and at least drop your bag and shoot from there for a little while
2: yeah it works as a good counterweight for when you're shooting the 500 millimeter though right kind of yeah counterweight
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We uh, kind of talked about it on uh, on an episode back, but um, Ryan Tykosh and I this this past year uh, volunteered for EAA up at uh, AirVenture Oshkosh. And um, Mr. Larry was gracious enough to uh, cover AirVenture for full disc this year and um, did a really nice job. But that wasn't your first year attending, correct? That was my third Oshkosh. Yes. Three in a row.
2: And, uh, this is a great platform for me for me to say thank you to all of full disc. That was, uh, an honor, uh, as I would have been sitting in the crowd paying attendance with everybody else had it not been for you folks. Um, and I, 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 I bore that weight with me. I was like, I better come up with something you know, for these guys. And, uh, I was honored to see my article on the, the full disc website, full Uh, it, mixed in with articles from people that i look up and admire and you know writers like nick p i mean if you've not read nick p's article about star wars canyon it it could be its own novel it's a great story it really puts you in the car with these guys uh, him and james rattling across the desert floor in the pitch black and the first time you drive to star wars canyon it, it'll all make a lot more sense than the first time i read it i had not been uh, but that's you know to have that platform to be able to go and and take pictures and then tell a story, uh, to be part of that was really an honor. And, uh, thank you guys. Thank you both. And the rest of full desk, it was great.
0: Well, thank you very much. Dude, your piece was excellent. And it really took me there. Someone who hasn't been to Oshkosh and, you know, opened that world up to me just a little bit. And, uh, it was, it was really well done. I appreciate you. Thank you, dude. Well, you know, thank you. I,
2: I There's so much to write about at Oshkosh. I mean, uh, Nick Moore, you talked about doing an article on just volunteering. That could be a book in itself. You know, I would love to interview these volunteers, the stuff they go through, especially, you know, some of the line folks that have to – there's no rope, you know. The the crowd could rush the runway at Oshkosh. Uh, These guys, they keep keep toes and fingers and everything behind the burn line at all times, and there's just hundreds of volunteers – um, at Oshkosh, but I wanted to try and say, okay, so you've been three times. What if nobody's ever been, what would you tell them? And I, I wanted sort of that overview, like what's, what's happening. And then I was very proud that it got published and I shared it with my father, my father, who took me on my first airplane ride ever. And, Mm -hmm. uh, he said he wants to go to Oshkosh. So I've already told Nick Moore, there'll be, there'll be no, um, Larry at the, at the party house. This year, my my father and I are spending a week together at Oshkosh, which I hope to be um, a really good experience. My older brother uh, is coming out from Oregon. I've flown with him. He's also a retired, rusty pilot, never a professional pilot, just was a private pilot and hasn't flown in a long time. And then my my younger brother who lives in Colorado, he's trying to make uh, arrangements. But my father and me will be at Oshkosh for the entire week in 2020 and i i could not be more excited and uh he loved my article and said that he's always wanted to go and that was enough to push him over the edge so i'm in disbelief that it's going to happen but the hotel is booked and
1: we are ready (laughs) that's cool man yeah that's that's awesome i'm super happy for you guys to to be able to do that i was able to i was able to share oshkosh for i want to say 10 years with my grandfather and uh, i think three years with my dad and it's just special. It's a special place. Uh, you know, I'm sure as time goes on with this particular podcast, um, you're just going to find out I don't really have a lot of bad things to say about EAA and Oshkosh, but once you go, you'll pretty well understand, I think. But uh, at any rate, yeah. that, that being said, Larry, do you have uh, – put you on the spot, but pick one thing that you've seen over the last three years that you want to call your favorite.
2: Uh, from my point of view?
1: Uh-huh. I would say,
2: without a doubt, um, the air-to-air shoot over the coast of Santa Maria for this year's uh, Central Coast Airfest. Fest. Uh, it, it really was two years in the making. Uh, we we had a good plan last year, but we didn't have a great plan, and the plan fell apart with a little bit of weather, and there wasn't a backup plan, and I waited an entire year uh, for this to happen. And we had a better plan, <clears throat> and it was a pretty pretty amazing event because we had – We had two photo ships. We had the Bonanza that I was in. Um, Mike Holes from the CAF SoCal flew the Bonanza, which I believe belongs to Jason Soames' High Alpha Air Shows. He was my pilot. Henry Beal was flying his own airplane. He flies a Bearhawk. And in the back seat, his cameraman, Gus, ran uh, a screen and a gimbal for a a gimbal stabilized camera that shoots out the cargo door of the bear. The bear, what was that, Bearhawk? Bearhawk's basically a, a cub. So the cargo door is open behind both passengers. There's a gimbal mounted uh, video camera in there. The rear passenger is flying the camera and Henry, the film director, is flying the airplane. So we had to coordinate um, five different pilots flying up and meeting the photo ship and then being dispatched from the photo ship and sent. To the uh, film ship, all managing fuel, and uh, we were blessed to have access to some restricted airspace over Vandenberg, so we didn't have to worry much about traffic. But uh, was able to shoot Vicky Benzing and uh, Sammy Mason. They came up together in formation, and then uh, Jason Soames came up in his uh, red rocket, which is the red Mig 17. Uh, People who have been going to air shows for a long time may recognize that. It's the same jet that used to have the Red Bull logos on it, and he has purchased it and is now flying it at air shows, and it is incredible. It is a bright red on top and jet black on the bottom with, you know, a Russian uh, hammer and sickle on the tail and stars on the wingtips. It's a pretty amazing thing to look at so in the back of the bonanza with the doors off there's jason soames and his mig 17 right out the door over the coast of california and uh, we sent him down to the film ship and rob holland and bill stein showed up in their aerobatic planes and (laughs) i was just a i was a, a an air show spectator of one while those guys flipped around and to different positions and did snap rolls and cobras right outside my window at sunset I, I think that's at the top of my heap right now. I, I hope something breaks that, but uh, I appreciate the question, and, and right now I'm still living off the, the juice I got from that night.
0: Your images have
1: been absolutely incredible from that. I'm really in awe over here of that. Oh, thank you, Nick. Yeah, there's no Sports Illustrated involved in that. It's They're, they're, they're special. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, there's a there's a bunch more to come. You know, I will tell you the one thing I struggle with with air to air photography is, you know, unless you get to shoot out the back of a ramp like some of the, the most uh, talented guys that I look up to, um, you you're you're kind of stuck shooting out the right side of the aircraft facing backwards and down backwards and eye level or backwards and up. So there are things that just get really difficult to do because you're wearing a harness and you don't want to, you know, cameras going out the door and stuff, but being able to work with that and come up with something that doesn't look like something that's been done before, you know, even my shots of of Rob and Bill, they've, they've done that a hundred times outside the door of a Bonanza, so... Uh, that's, that's sort of the limiting factor. And and I look forward to being able to shoot, you know, off the back of a C-130 one day where, where there's far fewer restrictions as to, you know, what can be done outside the door. But, um, my pilot, Mike was fantastic. It was great working with Henry and his film crew and, uh, you know, Vicky, Sammy, uh, Jason, Bill and Rob are consummate professionals. And there's, there's literally nothing they cannot do um, in an airplane. I think the first time I saw Bill Stein do a snap roll right outside my door, I, I, I my heart skipped a beat, but the second time he did it, it was like, Oh, okay. He, he's done that more than once. I mean, he was hysterically <laughs> close to my plane when he snap rolled outside the door. Uh, and then same thing when, when Rob, he did a couple of his, uh, Cobra pull-ups and, um, it, it's just, it, it's incredible to watch it happen right in front of you. Like I, I Again, I feel like I was an air show spectator of of one, so I feel obligated to share as much of it as I can. But there are only so many variations, so I I can't put all 1,500 pictures out because a lot of them look the same. So I'm spending some time finding unique ones, better lighting. Uh, But yeah, they'll continue to flow out over the next year as we try and make Central Coast Air Fest uh, a, a big, even bigger hit next year it's central coast california where the population is a little more sparse but the lineups at this show for the last two years have been absolutely spectacular and if you're within 300 miles of santa maria next october i i would highly recommend it, it is one of my favorite air shows uh the people are great the performers are great it's a great venue um i no bad words to say about central coast for sure
1: you also got to do something involved with the truck too didn't you
2: <laughs> yes um i'm not talking a ton about that yet because that wasn't my project that is henry beale's project but um i was asked to get a little bit uh, behind the scenes for his film crew and that did put me in in, in a pickup truck on a runway with uh, aircraft in in very close proximity all of which was done under an airshow tfr while the air boss was still on station so it was all legal and as safe as it could possibly be but hopefully when it's all said and done it's not going to look too safe
1: perfect <laughs> and i guess i'll think back to one other time you've been in in a vehicle on a runway with another aircraft you got to do something along those lines in uh, chino didn't you yes you know i i i'm too
2: quick to forget about that and um you know uh, god bless eric tucker and the Tucker's Air Patrol team, those guys have been fantastic uh, to help me along. If, if you're not already following him, check out Tucker's Air Patrol on Instagram. Um, Eric Tucker's an amazing pilot. He's a corporate jet pilot. He's an aerobatic pilot, and he flies pretty much a stock Piper Cub like nobody I've ever seen fly a stock Piper Cub. He lands it on the roof of an ambulance, and at Chino, while doing a little bit of work with Eric, I was able to ride in the ambulance that he took off from. So he does a routine where he lands on the ambulance and then later in the day, he takes off from the ambulance. So I was actually on the runway with Eric on the roof. Uh, His driver is Mike Tyson, not that Mike Tyson, different Mike Tyson, (laughs) but it was a blast uh, to be there. The three of us drive out in the ambulance with the uh, airplane already on the roof. And while there's an air show going on at the end of the runway, they pre-flight and start the cub on the roof of the ambulance, and then Eric climbs into it. And when it's his turn, you go speeding down the runway, and he takes off and then buzzes the ambulance several times, and then the ambulance recovers back to uh, the hot ramp, and uh, Eric does the last of his aerobatic performances. I, I do still have some first-person uh, first 1st footage from him coming. He wore a GoPro on his hat for Central Coast Air Fest when he did his engine out routine, which is a 8,000-foot falling leaf routine in, in the Cub. Uh, the footage is spectacular. I'm still slicing and dicing it, and we talked about video earlier. Video takes a lot longer to put together than, than pictures, so uh, that will be out between now and the next Central Coast Air Fest, so I've got, I've got a year to get that squared away. But <laughs> the footage
1: looks great. I, I specifically remember we talked about, uh, you know, the times of sitting around the table looking at photos at uh, Friday night after Chino got back to Larry's house where he was gracious enough to let me stay the night. and uh, Separate going, bedrooms? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but uh, I was going through my photos and, you know, super excited about what we had already seen. And it wasn't even the, you know, the full day. It was just kind of the practice show. And all I see is Larry with this red and white trucker hat and some sort of Swiss Army knife and um, you know a tool belt and a chainsaw and everything else. And he's fashioning this uh, this mount for a GoPro on the Tucker's Air Patrol hat. So that's uh, that's still a good memory for me. <laughs> the chainsaw man. Uh, I might well, have been embellishing a
0: little bit. But... Pretty uh, pretty special there with <laughs> the uh, flying metal.
2: But well, you know what I got to tell you, the <laughs> the GoPro on the front of the baseball cap, Bill. Uh, I used a little GoPro session and a tiny little mount to put it there. It is a great way to record even your own flights. You know, you want to watch your own flight back when you're done. Um, if you don't snap your head around too much, <clears throat> it's it's a nice point of view. What I typically will do is slice. Moments of steady cam point of view when the pilot's head isn't snapping around. I'll splice those in with the other camera, which is usually hard mounted to the airplane. So if the pilots or you, if you're wearing it yourself, swinging their head around, you can cut to the other GoPro, which would be frame mounted on the plane somewhere. Then when the pilot's looking somewhere, or if it's you and your first person, you can cut back to that so i really have uh although i had to hook up the tucker's air patrol hat i have about three or four hats with holes in the build <laughs> that i attach gopros to just for my own flying <laughs> i don't publish much of my own flying because it's not not as fantastic as eric's flying but i do watch back my own flights just for training and learning
1: yeah i leave for nellis on saturday so I'll try to get my GoPro mounted to my hat just for the uh, southwest flight and see how it goes <laughs> it's
2: gonna be mostly seat back I'm thinking unless you yeah. get really good seats <laughs> likely yes
1: <laughs> okay. so well, we're uh we're kind of pushing up on uh on our allotted time here but uh let's just talk real briefly about what's going on in full disc aviation Nick you want to give an update on uh where we're at with stories <clears throat>
0: well um We've got a few things coming up: the uh, Dover Air Show and the Dover F-22 thing is a separate thing. So two things relating to that. We've got—I uh, keep hinting at it—a C-47 over the White Cliffs at Dover, and maybe I don't know one, two, three Spitfires in an air-to-air. I'll let that ride. Um, and then uh, there are just a, a few other things here and there. And then—and uh, then we're kind of into the end uh, of the off-season. Cooking up some ideas for next year. Yeah.
2: Well, Nick P, you've got some shows you can add to your list. You can add uh, Chino, you can add a Star Wars Canyon trip, and then we can see you at Oshkosh 2020.
0: Word. Are you gonna talk to my manager, and then you're gonna um, you gonna Venmo me the the remainder of uh, what I need to complete that. By then, you're gonna be a famous rock star. They'll probably fly you in their own
2: personal <laughs> jet. <laughs> By the way, uh,
0: go ahead. No, I I was just gonna say I would say no. (laughs) I hope that's my problem.
2: (laughs) So back to those three Spitfires in formation. Is there any chance those are dual seat Spitfires?
0: Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more. Say no more. (laughs) Our friend Robert Griffiths have been. Robert Griffiths has been. No relation. are you right. sure?
1: I, I thought we'd been through this. <laughs>
0: he
2: may be my long—he may be my long-lost
1: brother. <laughs> I'd still like to have the podcast with both of you on. Just call it Griffiths to Griffiths, but I—I I don't think <laughs> I can say that. So. We, you know, we
2: could invite my real brother. His name is Robert. That would be definitely Ooh, as confusing whoa. as two Nicks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, two Nicks don't make a right. This is true. <laughs> I can't make that joke enough. I know. That's still my
1: favorite. <laughs> it's the most relevant. But, uh, yeah, for upcoming shows, I think the last one of the season for any of us is uh, Nellis next week. Um, yep. I will be there on Sunday, and I believe that Ryan Kelly's also going to be there both days. And also, there's a rumor that Larry's going to be there. Mm. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will be there Friday for
2: (laughs) media day, which is fantastic. And then Saturday all day. um, ah, I might drive home. It's only about four hours. I might spend the night. I don't know. Sunday, I don't know. But definitely Friday and Saturday, Aviation Nation at Nellis. I can't wait. I've never been. But it is basically an outdoor photo studio for aircraft aircraft. Because the mountains in the background, as Nick Moore will attest, mm-hmm. are fantastic.
1: Yes, they are. The uh, I, I'll i just say this much. I think that you should reevaluate and make sure that you're there on Sunday. So uh, we can say hi. Maybe Nick P's control could call my control and we could work that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> yep. But uh, but yeah, the, that's the great thing about, about that air show is... Um, there's, there's a pretty large mountain right behind the runway that you're, that you're looking at. Uh, the one day that I was there two years ago, it was super overcast. Um, still made the best of what I could with the shots that I had, but I'm looking forward to having some sunshine because it starts pretty early in the morning, the flying. Um, but since it's daylight savings, by the time that the, the T-birds fly in the afternoon, sun ought to be at a pretty good angle with the mountains in the background. Um, The thing that we did last time that I will probably do again is pay for the upgraded seating. Um, It's not at show center, but it's off to the side um, and seems to get a pretty unobscured view of the runway. Uh, And the last bit of advice I can offer for that is if you go clear to the south end of the show line and think that you want to shoot the multiple F-35s that are undercover um, with the strip in the background, uh, don't do that. (laughs) Um, <laughs> I almost had weapons drawn on me last time, so I, oh. I, yes, I, they, I highly uh, suggest just don't do that. They didn't warn you beforehand? Uh, I think that was the warning. So, yes, they, <laughs> Gun, uh, guns cocked in your just pull up face. my camera very, very innocently, and all of a sudden I hear, Sir! 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 <laughs> so, which yeah, you Which got to watch because out for I, I saw that shot on Instagram the day before and thought, man, that's fantastic, because I... I love Vegas and, you know, can't go wrong with the F-35 and thought that'd make for a neat shot. But somebody else got it and I didn't, but that's all right. So, Right, but that's the show you got that, uh, was it the Hind helicopter? Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. If you guys have not, dig through Nick Moore's feed and find that shot of the Hind. It is uh, one of my favorite aviation shots, and I'm not just saying that because he's on the phone here. Uh, I think you put that out during one of the, you know, hashtag 11 18 planes or something contest with uh, Kevin and I saw it. It was literally jaw dropper, scroll stopper. I was just like, dang, that's a shot. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's worth the dig. You probably have to spin through a few of your pictures to get to it, but it's a, it's a great shot. And definitely one of the things I've been thinking about since uh, seeing that shot and going to aviation nation, I was like, okay, gotta go. I don't even know if they'll have a hind there, but um, it, it just, that backdrop, uh and an air show I've never been to. I'm excited to to go.
1: Yeah, it should be should be a lot of fun. So with that, I guess we'll move to shout outs. Larry, I'm gonna put you on the spot, but anything you want to shout out, anybody, anything? Um
2: I you know, my my main shout-outs right now are uh to full disc aviation and the Central Coast Airfest. Between the two of you's um I feel extremely lucky to have been able to participate in some of the things that I've been able to participate in as of late. And having friends that uh, are doing heavy lifting in the aviation photography world, like Full Disc Aviation, and like the folks who put together Central Coast Air Fest, uh, it's a good place to be if you like taking pictures of uh, airplanes. And uh, shout out to both of my hosts, Nick and Nick, thank you for this opportunity. and. There is no off season. That is, you know we gotta we gotta look to the radio control guys. Their off season for radio control is building their masterpiece that they will unleash on the radio control field as soon as the snow thaws. In every other state except California, we fly right through the winter.
0: But <laughs>
2: winter is the time where you get to go back to that air show that you went to in January of 2019, and you only posted eight or nine shots because there was another show right after it, whatever. So looking forward to seeing you know the the winter builds coming out of the full disc aviation team.
1: That's a cool way to put that. Yeah, I think uh, kind of on that same note, something I'm gonna really focus on this winter is um, learning learning new editing techniques. So I might uh, take some take some old photos and put some new spins on them. If nothing else, just to push my abilities and my understanding of the software.
2: Hashtag crop, rotate, repost.
0: I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: part of the always be posting method
2: that's right yeah nobody should ever go and see how many pictures I've duplicated it's really not a number that anybody needs to know but uh, I will tell you that going back and looking at stuff I've looked at before is definitely time well spent and uh, a, a great winter project for you Nick I know you've got some fantastic content and we have uh, as, a, as a viewing public has we've seen a fraction of what you have to share with us
1: Well, likewise my friend
2: And Nick P too. I know he's just, uh, you know, you never know when Nick's going to let one out, but when he does, it's usually uh, worth looking at. So this (laughs) not going to be a, not going to be a quiet winter for me.
0: Same over here, my man. Got a lot, a lot to do this winter. It it never stops. The off
1: season only means that it's not in the public eye. That's right. What's going on. Yeah. May not be collecting photons, but we've got a lot of stuff to do with them. Right. So, Nick, you got any shout-outs? Well, Larry,
0: 211, obviously, for joining us tonight. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and a lot of your kind words. Thank you. A lot of them. Not not all of them, but but a lot of them. But a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. uh and also for your previous mentorship with me i appreciate that um and look forward to seeing what else you got up your sleeve for the rest of this winter and onward into next year and i look forward to meeting you face to face one time likewise Yeah. Uh, super cool i think you, you owe dude. me a beer i do I, I do owe you a beer i owe two, two now
2: and i owe you one so it'll be a good time
0: <laughs> cool man I also, uh, I also want to shout out the snow for making the Panthers' loss bearable to, uh, to the Packers. Mm. Hashtag GoPackGo. Uh, yeah, I'll let you have the <laughs> FaceTime here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Any outs for you, my man?
1: Well, yeah. Um, we are recording this on, what is it, November the 10th, and uh, tomorrow would be Veterans Day. And mm. so kinda of got two. Wanna to shout out to all of the veterans out there, but uh one specific uh my dad. Um today's the three year anniversary of him having uh, triple bypass surgery and since then we've had a uh, had a scare with cancer and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but he's uh he's a fighter and, and uh he's my veteran, so I wanna shout out to my dad. My man. Right
2: on. Right
1: on Nick. Yeah. So uh, with that, Larry, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your work? Uh, pretty much I have one,
2: one outlet at this point, and that is Instagram at 211 underscore aviation.
1: Awesome. And if you also go to the uh, Full Disc Aviation website, the article that we were referencing earlier that Larry wrote is called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the C5 Galaxy. It chronicles it awesome. his experiences and advice um, when attending your Venture Oshkosh.
2: Yes. Uh, it's a 30,000-foot overview, as I said, and I left out the part where the bed nearly took all my toes off. We'll have to catch oh. that on po- podcast version two. You know two. what?
1: I, I can't wait for number two. We mentioned it in mm-hmm. the beginning. You can't just leave people hanging. <laughs> well. You're going
2: to make it all fit by cutting some of the other stuff out? Nah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, toe, toe decapitation, I think we made up a word anyways, so...
2: Yeah, I'm not sure you can decapitate toes, but if, if there's a way to do it, I attempted it when, you know, in the rental house I was told upon arrival, hey, the frame to your bed is broken. If you have any problems with it, just throw the box spring on the floor. Well, you know, late at night after three hours of editing, it's two in the morning, there's still people up, by the way, at the kitchen table, and I, I venture off to uh, fix the bed, which it's broken now, broke the night before. It's like I gotta throw the box spring on the floor. Well, there's a queen size bed in a room that's a queen size bed and two feet on either side, so there's no room. The box spring weighed a thousand pounds, and the wooden frame it was in had like a one inch lip that was holding the box frame in there. And I could not get it out of there, and I was struggling, and I had broken a sweat, and I was too proud to ask for help when suddenly the entire box spring fell through the frame of the bed and landed on the hardwood floor, and it made a huge boom. And it went silent in the house, and all I could think to yell was, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Almost lost all of my toes on the floor that night.
1: I had gone well, to bed about you. fifteen minutes prior to, and so that was, uh, that,
2: was that was quite the experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. When somebody says "throw the box spring on the floor," one get help or two ask additional questions for clarification.
1: Would be my advice. <laughs> uh. On that note, <laughs> Nick, why don't you tell us where you can where they can find your work? Uh, Nick's glass eye at uh on instagram is my jam sweet yeah and i am gravity dot images on instagram and gravity images on facebook if you search you'll find two i'm the one with the airplanes and, oh wait there's uh,
2: one more there's the, one more there all of okay. our work can be seen at
0: full disc on instagram also very good point you're right
1: so i neglected to mention that thank yeah.
0: you
2: this is the Full Disc Aviation podcast. They do also have an Instagram, I understand.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for so long, you know, we forgot about the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely recommend
2: anybody listening, if you've not seen the Full Disc Aviation Instagram feed, it is a, an amazing place to see great work from literally around the world, from a variety of photographers who all have a different take, but who all add – to our uh, thriving aviation photography community. So it's, it's really a special thing. I know it's just a baby, but it's going to grow up to be huge.
1: I appreciate you, man. Thank you for that. Thanks
2: a lot. Right on. Thank you guys.
1: Yeah. So yeah, man. that should do it for episode five. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. That was, that was fantastic. Great chat. Um, really appreciate that. And, uh, This is Nick Moore signing off until next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast.
0: Full Disc Aviation is a group of aviation photographers and enthusiasts that are passionate about sharing our love for aviation with you. Visit our website at fulldiscaviation.com for exclusive interviews, stories, and photo galleries, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for frequent content updates. Also, please leave us a review in iTunes. We always welcome any feedback that can improve the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Full Disc Aviation Podcast. And don't forget, Full Disc begins at 160th. (laughs) you <laughs>